When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Rams fans and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, your independent Derby County fans podcast where we are reflecting on the first drop points on the road this season and I think fair to say a disappointing uh, performance away at Bolton but one packed with plenty of controversy and talking points as usual. I am Richard Kutcher and joining me to dissect everything Derby County of the last 10 days and the transfer window is back to school's Tom Martin. How are we, Tom? Uh, very well, thanks, Kutch. Very well. And uh, obviously looking forward to go back to school as much as you do when you travel to Man City away or something like that. So not very much at all. And uh, fresh from his return trip to the Tough Sheet Community Stadium and backstopping, I think, at uh, Craig Forsyth's cricket testimonial which is a new one i've never seen a, a footballer have a regular testimonial and also a, a cricket one uh how was it both at tough sheets and uh and, and on the cricket pitch i should say who you are you're blake fellows <laughs> yeah thanks for that yeah um yeah i i enjoyed the cricket a little bit more it was a good it was a really good day and obviously the the squad are a good the, the squad members who were there and the manager seem a really good set of lads and um, yeah, it was nice to see that side of it and have that behind the scenes kind of look of being sat in the changing room with Paul Warren. And yeah, he takes it seriously. It was a charity cricket match, but he, um, Tom Barkhausen got two runs. Uh, uh, he opened and got two, and uh, he, he got a bollocking off uh, Paul Warren. <laughs> <laughs> so that was nice to see. And then yesterday, who got, yeah. Who got, uh, who got Barkhausen out? I'm not sure, to be honest. It was one of the Spondon players. Oh, but right. um, yeah. luckily, Waggon opened with him and went and got 50. Not out, retired the day after getting a hat-trick. So I think he might be getting the freedom of Derby soon. Yeah, that's not a bad weekend. Hopefully, that's not all of his runs and goals done in uh, August and September. Um, but uh, look, uh, let's let's get stuck in, really, because it was quite an eventful game. You know, a game between two teams yesterday who were both fancied to be at the kind of top end of the table. Um, in the second half of the pod, we will reflect and review Paul Warren's transfer business and share your ratings out of 10 for our window performance. But first, let's get stuck in, as I said, to Derby's 2-1 reverse at Bolton, in which we took a first half lead for a Connor Harrahan penalty. But to be honest, it was uh, pretty much all downhill from there. I was watching uh, from home and I thought we were probably at our worst during the match in those first 20 minutes. Really sloppy completely off the pace and while Bolton played some some nice stuff and looked impressive on the ball I thought they looked pretty good it was far too easy for them to to completely dominate and we seemed to kind of get no foothold in the game but I did think that in those kind of 10 minutes before our goal which we'll we'll come on to we did seem to get a a bit of momentum 
start to threaten more, uh, both from open play, but particularly from set pieces. We looked really threatening, I think, all game uh, from set pieces. And once we got that goal, I was kind of confident that we would, you know, might be able to kick on quiet in the crowd because they have had some obviously poor results at home recently. I thought that was a good chance for us, but it didn't really work out like that, did it? Blake, referring, refereeing quality aside for now, which we'll come on to, what did you make of the kind of the overall performance from Derby? Were we, were we unlucky against Bolton or were we just a bit undercooked? Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head that uh, the first 20 they came out and um, were far the, by far the better side. And I know Warren's mentioned a lot that that's kind of a key thing that he wants the, the team to be doing is coming out and having them good starts. I mean, particularly at home, but even away when you go to somewhere like Bolton, you want to go and put your stamp on the match and your identity on it. And first 15, 20, they came out and we struggled to lay a glove on them really. And similar to, to Peterborough in a lot of ways where you think ah, this is this could be one of those days here if they go and get an early goal. But I think we grew into it, obviously changed the system back and kind of matched them up man for man, didn't we? Going back to um, having the wing backs and obviously that takes a bit of time and uh, the goal was deserved and I think arguably we deserved to go one up. We came back into it and, and deserved something from it. I don't think we were particularly, particularly bad, but I just think we just looked slightly off it in the, in the first 20. But typically, we, we did that. And then we're on top, had a couple of chances after that. And then it's just a, a little bit of a... Well, I know we'll get into it later, but a little bit of a silly dangling of the leg, isn't it? When it doesn't really need to, to put his foot there. Um, and, and without that, you're going at 1-0. Can possibly change it. Different game. Warren said after the game that he, um, he felt that Derby didn't have enough character and put their character onto the game and they sort of really struggled. And that matches with what you're saying there, Blake. Just the first 20 minutes of Bolton came out really well, especially down the left-hand side. And I don't think Elder was doing anything in particular wrong, but um, they were really trying to exploit that down the right. And I think it was uh, Leon Charles who pulled the ball back and uh, someone uh, had a shot from just outside the box, which Wildsmith did well to get down to. Um, and it seemed to be a constant threat, but then Derby did grow into it. And there's lots of positives, I think, to take from that, uh, given that the, the midfield three of uh, Fauna, Smith and Howahan were, were lacking bodies in that middle because of the injuries and, and things that to, to players like Sibs and Bird, of course, and Thompson injured in the week two. But I think eventually they, Derby got, uh, got to grips with the game and then took a deserved lead and had some good chances from set pieces, which I thought looked really dangerous yesterday. Uh, and that bodes well for the future. So there's there's some positives to I think to take even from that first half, even though it's ended up as a frustrating, uh, frustrating defeat. It's still very early days, and not many teams are going to go to Bolton and, as Warren said, play two up front and try and go for it and and have chances to win on, on another day with a bit more luck and maybe with a bit more better quality officiating. We could have got a point in maybe even three then. Yeah, I think the 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 chance you bring up there, Tom, um, where Wildsmith made a good save in the first half. I thought that was kind of emblematic about how kind of just maybe half a yard or a yard off the pace we were in those first 20 minutes like the ball gets pulled back to the edge of the box and it it was it wasn't like a it's a bit of a hopeful ball back to the edge of the box it went past about four or five players there's a massive hole between defense and midfield and and the and the Bolton player had a chance to get a half decent shot off and probably should have done better with it uh, himself um, but as you said, we did grow into the game and we did um, and we did take the lead. So let's go through kind of it is a game of incidents, I would say. I think Bolton generally were a better team, but it was a game of incidents. So uh, chronological order, uh, Blake, handball appeal before Derby's, uh, Derby did uh, score, did get the penalty. Um, I think it was Curtis Nelson kind of back post towards the back post who got the header off. And it was one of those where there's a lot of defenders right in front of him, but there was hands in the air. It did seem like it hit a, 
did seem like a hit an arm. Um, kind of what was your, I guess you're right down the other end, aren't you, in, in the away end? But what was your view of it at the time? And, and since you've seen it back, should that have been, should that have been a penalty? Well, bearing in mind, I was probably one of the people in the stadium that was furthest away from that from that incident. I immediately went up and said, that's handball. And I was probably 95 yards away from it and with a terrible eyesight. And it just looked really unnatural from, you can just sometimes tell with how the ball kind of, like you can, when you're in a football ground and it takes deflection, you don't see it, but you can kind of see how the ball deviates. You just know from watching so many football matches, don't you, that I think he's got a touch on that. And you can just tell the unnatural, like that's not a natural thing that's happened. And I straight away went up for handball and, the other thing is looking at the players' reactions. I think there's five or six around it straight away who all were going, um, all were going mad. I, I nearly used the Craig uh, Craig Ramage term, then like apoplectic. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, you can just tell by the reaction. I went up straight away, being I, I literally couldn't have been any further away from it, and I, I thought that's handball, like that's blatant. You know, thankfully, ultimately, it didn't didn't cost us. I mean, we want to see we want to see better refereeing, and it gets even worse in a second, but. Um, it didn't cost us. Let's move on to the next bit, which I think is probably more interesting to talk about. But Derby do get a corner. I think the first thing was they appealing for the handball. I don't think the referee was even going to give a corner at first. I think the linesman might have told him it was a corner because the referee had run up you know, towards like he was going to set up for a goal kick. But we get a corner and then um, ball comes in. The ball ends up in the back of the net this time. I think, again, Curtis Nelson, I think, on the end of it. Um, and... The referee has blown. I do think Warren said he blew after the goal went in, but he didn't. I think he did blow kind of just as the ball was in the air for a foul, I think, on Elder, um, which did look like a foul, actually. Um, but I don't know why he's blowing <laughs> so quickly. I just don't know, Tom. A referee's meant to have at least played a couple of seconds advantage there to see what happens. I think if you spot an infringement, you you blow when you see it, don't you? But I mean, the, the fact that the, the challenge on Eldo is essentially a rugby tackle. It's the kind of thing we saw a lot in the 2018 World Cup when VAR came in for the first time. We're seeing penalties, especially for England, being given loads for that kind of decision. And that's what you want referees to be doing. You want them to be spotting those infringements. But the fact is that the ball goes into the back post and is headed across the goal. And the ref just needs to keep seeing the tackle or the challenge. And then he just needs to keep an eye on what's actually happening because it's, it's almost instantaneous in terms of like the header across and then the, the challenge on Eldo. If he just lets the play go for split second you'll see the ball going back across the across the goal and someone's going to tuck it in it's got shades of atwell in 2009 or 11 and whenever it was when he disallowed that goal gave us a penalty which we then missed and thankfully this time howard was able to bury it unlike nasa barazite well that was that was the example i was going to use the Stuart atwell one and has he got it has the referee got it in his mind or has found out that's handball i've not given mm. it and then he's come across into the box and he's thought oh here's my opportunity i, I can give it up give it and he's just got excited that he can wrong his mistake and go right i've just missed one a minute and a half ago Boom, there's your penalty rather than if if that incident hadn't occurred you let it flow a bit more naturally that was the only thing i could kind of justify it with on the way home yesterday yeah, I completely agree with that. I think he was desperate to give a penalty from the resulting corner because I think I think he knew or he'd been told or he suspected that he had missed an obvious handball. Um, and and I think he was desperate to blow for a penalty and he spotted it. Rightly, he spotted something and he was just too happy. Now, look, again, it didn't ultimately didn't cost us. Harahan puts the penalty away really well, we should say. Really good penalty uh, right in the corner. Um, and I think sent, sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. Uh, but I just thought after that goal went in, you know, I was so, I was really confident we got that goal. Again, Blake, the, the comparisons to Peterborough without going behind are, are relevant because we started Peterborough really poorly. 
and then we got the goal, the equaliser, and then we just went went great from there. And I just really thought with Bolton, with their poor results at home recently against other kind of top teams meant to, meaning to be challenging, I really thought we could have built on that and and gone for them really. And I just thought he massively dropped off again after that goal. And I don't know if it was deliberate or Bolton just did a great job in keeping the ball and keeping the pressure on. But it was disappointing that we got sloppy again. I mentioned it on our Discord. Um, Martin Waghorn, I think at, twice in the first half and the second time was leading to the, the goal, just slicing, try, just clear, easy clearances, slicing it up in the air, keeping the pressure on, which led to the throw-in, um, which um, we don't deal with, which Paul Warren mentioned uh, in his in his, um, in his his post-match comments. And Corey Smith was a judge to have taken down uh, Josh Sheehan on, right on the edge of the box, resulting in a penalty less than 10 minutes after we'd gone ahead. Um, I haven't seen a close enough replay of this, Tom, to work out if there, if there definitely was contact or whether it was on the line or just outside the box. But my instinct is to say it's a pretty lazy, poor attempt from, from Smith, um, which is probably unnecessary and ultimately, again, gives the referee an opportunity to make a decision. I'm not, I don't feel particularly hard done by by that decision unless I've missed something. No, I think um, Smith is, as you say, he's on his heels and he's just caught caught on his heels and therefore is second to the ball it's a it's a foolish tackle to make and it's it's most certainly for me a foul the debate then comes in as to whether the contact is outside or inside the box and the only angle I've seen is from just inside the derby half so it doesn't go flat against the line but from that and also from as Blake said you've watched so much football like for me it looks like it looks like it's outside the box uh, I'd like to see a, a more clear and distinct angle to to be definite on that but I think just for the benefit of the doubt, unless the referee is absolutely certain and he's right on top of it, so he must have been, uh, he wouldn't be given that. So I think, as you say, Kutch, I think we're less hard done by that one. It's certainly a foul. Um, the referee is so much closer to it than, than we are and would have a much better angle. So I think you've got to give the benefit of the doubt to the official for that one. Uh, and you've got to look at Smith and just say, you need to be, you need to be on, the, on your toes. You need to be ready for that kind of thing. And frustratingly, that is Corey Smith all over. I think he's a really nice player, but just think they lack something in midfield because he's not creative enough to be a creator like Howard and he's not got a bite in there to be like an enforcer like a Seth Johnson uh, and he gives the ball away too much and he's not quite on it to to sort of be the sort of like deep lying playmaker and it's, it, I don't really see where he fits into that centre midfield position and I actually think I, he'll be in for a run on the uh, in the right back slot now we've had that horrendous and heartbreaking as Warren said injury to Rooney. Yeah, I, I agree with you regarding Smith. I think now that there's some serious competition in that midfield, and I think we've, we'll come on to it in the second half, I think we've made some real upgrades there and, and good options and younger options to do a similar job, I think, to what Smith is in there to do. I do think that means that he might have to be used at right back in the coming weeks while we wait for all three of them to, to come back from injuries. Um, so, obviously, we go in at half-time uh, level, and Derby can definitely improve on that first half performance so the, the game was still anyone's and again I thought at half time I was thinking yep like we could obviously come away with a loss here but the game is there for the taking if, if we really take it by the scruff of the neck but within two minutes of the restart um Sonny Bradley who had come on in the first half for Jake Rooney and I thought it looked okay actually uh, in the first half I thought he looked quite dominating he, he looked like the player I thought we'd signed um but within two minutes of the restart uh, another horror under hit back pass prompts kind of chaos 20 25 yards from goal wild smith did really well and i think elder they both did well to make a couple of blocks um 
outside the box and inside the box, but ultimately the Derby keeper again is a judge to have used his hand. And after a lot of confusion, and I don't actually think that much deliberation or communication between uh, the assistant and the referee, uh, he's given his marching orders. Um, there are, I have seen some more kind of zoomed in replays of this doing the rounds. BBC Derby's Ed Dawes uh, has shared one and quite funnily tagged in uh, the referee bod, which is PGMOL, um, regarding the handball and the red card. Um, Blake, uh, I, I presume you've probably seen replays of that one now. Um, what do you think? I think if you're like almost, well, not 24, 18 hours removed from a, a decision and, and we're still debating it and looking at very, very zoomed in uh, videos and we still can't make our minds up, it's very difficult for a referee to to send him to send a player off for deliberate handball outside the box if we're still looking now and and are debating it i mean and i, I kind of at the time i thought he had handled it because his arm was outstretching again I, i'm a, a long way away but what was frustrating was it was kind of officiated by the fans because obviously the chance of off 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 came so the referee's gone across to a linesman who's not flagged for anything so the referee's not given anything the linesman hasn't flagged then they come together to have a conversation when they've not, in, in either of them haven't had a, um, the ball's gone out for a corner and then they come together. So it's, it's again in League One, it's not just the decisions and whether they're poor or not, it's how they're arriving at these decisions that is really frustrating because you've got a linesman that hasn't flagged a referee that hasn't given anything other than a corner and two minutes later, you're down to 10 men and your goalkeeper's been sent off. And it's like, well... It's, the process is is really really frustrating for me. I think anyway, and and as a as a former goalkeeper at the Mickey Mouse level, I think Warren said it in his um, in his post match press conference. If someone's going to smash a ball at you from eight yards away, it's very hard for you not to naturally put your arms out because it's what you do for six hours a day. So mm. it, unless he's the ball's gone round him and he's deliberately punched it or something like that or caught it outside the box. If it's come off his chest, it glanced off his arm. I think that's a very, very harsh red card. It seems like we're at goalkeepers' union on this pod today, and I, I totally agree with you, Blake. Um, I think if on the first replay it looks as though he he dives towards it and therefore he palms it away like you would expect a goalkeeper to do inside his box, it looks like a good save, um, and therefore you can understand why the red card would be given. If that's what the officials have seen, the thing that I would be thinking is like, okay, why hasn't the assistant straight away put his flag up because it's his side? Um, and that never happens. The ball then plays on for another five, six seconds, um, and there's a shot which is then blocked again, and the ball goes out for a corner. Um, now, on the replays, I don't know, because I didn't watch it live, I don't know how long that time is before the referee and the assistant come together, but the referee then blows to say, like, I think he's handled it, or he has handled it, and therefore I'm giving the foul, and was clearly actually doing what he should have done for the derby penalty and playing a bit of advantage to see whether, um, to see whether the ball went in the back of the net, because... That, that was that was the right thing to do, which he should have done the first half. So inconsistency there. And then he goes over to the assistant, who hasn't flagged for anything and clearly hasn't seen anything, and has asked the question. It's very clear on the replay, and I thought even when sewing it on the replay initially, from the same angle, it hits his chest for me. And whether it hits his hand or not, I'm not sure. But if it does, then it is, I would say, handball. But there's enough doubt in there not to give the red card. It's a poor decision. I think that the officials have um, have got to, got to sort of consider, like, all the possibilities and I don't think they do and I don't think that anyone's seen it and I think it really looks at guesswork but let's, let's take this back 
Sonny Bradley's an experienced centre-back and he is making some shocking errors at the moment. He'll know that, but he's been really poor and extremely disappointing. Uh, it's not the first time I, I did want to go through the Derby goals we've conceded and look at how many Bradley could be uh, accountable for. I can think of at least two, but it's bound to be more than that. He needs to step it up in the next few weeks. Um, otherwise, we've got ourselves a bit of a dud in the transfer window. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you uh, both about Bradley a bit more detail uh, in the second half. Just lastly, before we go to the break, um, the Bolton goal, I mean, I did I did think it was coming. Like We didn't really, I don't really know what our game plan was, to be honest, when we went down to 10 men. It, obviously, it's a tough, it's a tough job. Um, but the way it came about, the Bolton goal, was really horrible luck for debutant uh, Tyrese Fauna, who had a good game. Um, across from a tight angle, deflecting off his attempted block and looping over substitute keeper Vickers into the goal. Not really what you need, is it, Blake, when you're up against it like we were? No, and, and like you say, with the, the kind of game plan they implemented, I think when, you, when you've got like half an hour left with 10 men, you try and, and, and Warren said it afterwards, uh, you tried to make it a game of 15 minutes. So you have like the first 15 minutes of it where you just you just soak everything you can up and expect hope for a little bit of luck and get to the last 15 minutes where you can throw everything at it without without losing the game 5-1 because if you go for it from half an hour to go and you get picked off yeah. then you suddenly 3-1 down 4-1 down and it's it's not a very nice afternoon is it so I think you take that horrible bit of luck for the for the Bolton second goal you take that out of it and I think they did a pretty good job of, of staying in the game and we had chances at 2-1 we had two or three great chances I mean if Collins gets his head up and rolls it to the far post. It's two all, and it's the you've got the game plan spot on, haven't you? You've timed your subs right. You've kind of soaked up their their um, their pressure. So yeah, it's always difficult with ten men. Um, and I think Warren almost judged it perfectly. To be, to be fair to him with that, and it, one piece of luck away uh, from getting a point from from nothing really. When you go down to 10 men, um, especially losing your goalkeeper, you've got to then make the decision, who do you take off and how do you shape that immediately? And it's it's also a really difficult decision because you can take off a forward, but then have you got anyone to bring on? You can take off a, a defender, but then like how do you how do you change the shape and things like that? And it's, it's a really big and difficult decision to make. And I think Derby then sort of tried to play it tight. The big issue is that we had no one in midfield. Like uh, I think it's, is it Fauna who's going to close him down? He just doesn't get tight enough and he, he's knackered and he... You needed some fresh legs in that middle, but looking at the Derby bench, there isn't anyone who you can bring on for for him to play in that centre midfield um, position. They're all forwards or defenders. So, yes, you, I'd point the finger in terms of the, the lack of energy going into that that challenge in the 66th minute. But at the same time, it's his debut. He's probably not played that much this season. hasn't had a full pre-season uh, of games, so you kind of understand that. And I think that the Derby, as Blake said. Hollow, he just was asking him to do something he's not very good at. But if he just gets his head up and like, thinks about it, rolls that ball along, and then you're 2 2. And realistically, Derby could have easily taken that into the last 10 minutes of 1 all. Um, and we did have, have some half chances. So it could have been different on a different day. So, yeah, a game of what ifs for Derby, I think. But before we move on, you can, of course, support SBW this season on Patreon, where you'll get extra podcasts, free merchandise, competitions and bonus video content from us. And this month, Chris and Anton had a chat with one of Derby's own. We spoke to Will from the band Marseille, a five-piece indie band from Derby. Here's Will telling Chris how the buzz of singing live in a band compares to the thrill of seeing Derby win away. You're in a unique position, Will, because look, like the rest of us, you go to a lot of Derby games mainly just for that buzz 
when you see a goal, when the away end erupts, when there's like limbs everywhere or whatever, and it's just a unbeatable, like natural high that you get in life. But obviously you also are the front man of a band and you play in front of hundreds of people on a fairly regular basis. How does those two massive highs compare and if, if you can really compare them? To be honest, I feel like when I'm on stage, I'm more composed, whereas when I'm watching Derby, the excitement's high. So it's quite it's quite different because when I'm on stage, obviously I'm expecting it. When Derby score at the minute, <laughs> you're not really expecting it and the goals can come from anywhere. So uh, I think the limbs in Derby matches probably get me a little bit more excited than the ones in, in uh, the crowds, really, because obviously that's all the way through. But um, they're very different feelings. But when people sing the songs back to you, sometimes you just have a moment and realise oh, this is actually happening, that people are singing your songs back and stuff. And it's just mental to think that a song you wrote in your room a few years ago or a song you wrote in a room in your room literally the other day and people are singing it back to you. It's just mental to think about. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washington to sign up and access that extra Derby County content. Jamie Ward. Nice ball in. Super finish. That should seal it for Derby. Chris Martin with his 22nd goal of the season. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So, Blake, Tom touched on it there, uh, and I was going to ask you about Sonny Bradley. I thought he looked okay first half uh, when he came on, and I was thinking, okay, he's had that time out of the team, maybe got a bit sharper, uh, got a bit more fitness under his belt, and, and here we are, we've got that kind of big um, kind of leading centre-back that we we thought we'd signed. But yeah, two minutes into the second half, he drops to Klanger, which ultimately changes the whole game. How big a worry is is uh, Sonny Bradley's form for you in a Derby shirt? Yeah, it's, it's worrying. I think it'll be worrying the manager as well. Um, I think you're spot on with what you say about when he came on in the first half. Obviously, the it was an, a forced change and he, he came on with instructions and I think he suited that role and he... he, he came on and he was talking to everyone and he was saying, right, this is what's happening. And he, he came on as a bit of a leader and I thought he was dominant in the first half. He was winning them big headers. Um, alongside Nelson, I thought had a had a much better game than some of the games he's been having as well. And I think that helped him along um, nicely. And yeah, he looked, he looked a different player, the best he's been in a Derby shirt first half. And then from, from nothing in the second half, What's frustrating for me is it's it's such a similar error to other errors he's made. It's like you're mm. making the same mistakes, which is when it becomes a worry. I don't know how you address it. I don't know how the manager says, "Why do you keep undercooking back passes?" Basically, when like it, I mean, there's no real science to it, is there? Like, there's it's not like you're I don't know heading heading own goals in every week or there's something you can look at. But I really don't know how you how you will how you address it. How Warren goes to him and says. Are, are you okay? What what is happening? Are you all right? Do you feel comfortable playing? Is it? I don't know how you address it. It's a real worry, but I just don't see how you can address it when it's just something as simple as he's maybe turning around and trying to make a pass that's not on a few, and he's done it a few times and it's cost us goals a few times. So it's, it's it is worry, but it's it's also it's equally as baffling as it is worrying that someone can of his experience can come in and, and make so many similar mistakes thing that you've got is that you've got an experienced player who's making errors it's not like he's been caught out of position it's not like he's been 
push forward too much and the defense is uh is deeper than him or vice versa it is just it is just a, an error um trying to play a back pass which is a bread and butter pass for him he does it hundreds of times in a season and he made two absolute howlers um in the last sort of few weeks and it's it's magnified by the fact that um it's early on in the season so I don't think necessarily there's anything that you need to say. You just need to say, look, I know, I know you're better than this. I, you know that you've made the mistakes. You're an experienced pro. You've got hundreds of league games uh, under your belt. Um, you just need to go back to the basics, make sure you keep that concentration. And I, I would keep him in the team. It's not like you need to take him out of the team because, um, because he's young and he's just a bit inexperienced. He's going to get pelters. He's going to be able to deal with that. So he does need to step up. And I want to see an improvement from him, um, in especially defensively. Yeah, obviously, the, we'll come on to Cashin in a second. The, the plus is that Cashin is still here. And I do think Nelson has been really good the last couple of games and particularly attacking set pieces. Like He seems to get on the end of everything. And I'd like to think he's going to get five-plus goals uh, this season because he, he seems like a real weapon in the opposition box and he's getting blocks in and he's doing kind of the, the basic defending of a centre-back in League One really, really well. Um yeah, in terms of the back passes, it's not like we're. Tr- it's not like he, Sonny Bradley's playing in Liam Rossini's system, and he's going to have the ball loads and loads and loads, and and he's he's key in building out from the back. So it shouldn't be a problem. My hope is that you know two undercooked back passes are kind of freak, maybe twice a season type errors, and they, he's got them out of system, and we won't see any more of them. It could be as simple as that. I do think he looked a lot better in the first half, um, but considering that he was our kind of flag flagship uh, kind of leadership signing I think you'd say um, in in the summer and he came with you know he had big things to say when he arrived you know I don't want to be in League One I'm stepping down to get us back into championship next season he doesn't look like a League One defender at the moment Um, so he does need to improve Um, but he knows that Paul Warren will know that and there are enough centre-back options I think to to cover for him if he is going to struggle to get up to speed Um, however talking about centre-back options and defensive options uh horrendous injury it looked like to Jake Rooney uh, in the first half uh, again one of those kind of innocuous stretching stretching for the ball and seemed to kind of jar his knee and go down and as soon as he went down it, I guess it was right in front of the away end wasn't it Blake and he put his arm up immediately um, and he's obviously not the type of player to kind of make a fuss about things so I think everyone realized pretty quickly that it was it was a bad one um, no no official kind of diagnosis yet out from the club but Paul Warren kind of confirmed it looked like a really bad knee injury which could be his season done Blake I mean obviously tough ridiculously tough for him how big a blow is it for for us as well because he looked like he really kind of claimed that spot for his own yeah I think it's a massive blow I think um, alongside Thompson I mean Thompson's got the plaudits over the last few weeks but I think Rooney's been probably second to him as maybe Derby's best player in, in the recent games and it was horrible occasionally you get these injuries when you when you're at football matches and they're really quite uncomfortable when you because you, he was in front of the away end lay flat and you could tell he was in like straight away you could tell oh god that I said straight away that's to to my dad I went he's out for the season you could just you can just tell and it was really uncomfortable to see initially obviously I don't want to speculate it looked like, I thought it might be he might have dislocated his knee because he was kind of playing with his leg a little bit and. I didn't know if it was just like he'd gone down and gone over, but it looks like it might be a bit more serious than that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real blow. Um, for me, as I say, I, I think he was going to be a very important player this season. I, I've, I think he's I think he got a lot of class on the ball um, and 
he's he's got a good head on his shoulders for someone so young, and he's he's really impressed me when he's when he's come in, and he, it's been difficult for him because he's kind of been in, got in, then been out, and come and every time he's come back in, he's he's slotted straight back in. So he, you can tell he's got a little bit about him for for someone so young and 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 a good character. So yeah, it's, it's really disappointing. It was it was really yeah, it took the shine off. Um, a good first half yesterday, and a, and a, and and what I, what I would say like a, a not bad derby performance, but I, I, my overriding thing from yesterday was the the disappointment of of seeing him be stretched past the away end in in some severe discomfort. He he really looked like he was he was in trouble as he come past, which was it was really really sad to see. Yeah, I think the reason that I think it's such a blow as well for Derby is that his performances have been really good, and but he kind of. He's a he's a centre back, obviously by trade originally, but he is good going forward as a as a right back. And for me, what's been great about the system the last couple of weeks, particularly the Peterborough away performance, and I tried to explain it on the pod but failed badly before, is it is kind of setting up as a back four. But Rooney's kind of Rooney with Forsyth at left back and Rooney at right back, they can both play that right centre back or left centre back role and and support and move across. So it almost is sometimes a back three with just a very high up Mendes Lang. Either it's like a right wing forward and really supporting when he can and then kind of similarly Forsyth getting forward more on the left. So I just think that it really gives you something which no other one of our centre, maybe similar to, he's similar to Forsyth, but on the other side, I would say, in terms of can, can play that right centre-back or centre-back role very well and also be a real um, uh, attacking threat, I think, down down the side. So it's a huge blow for him. I know he did sign a new contract, didn't he, a few weeks ago, which is you know, great for, for Rooney. His future's secure. He can obviously take his time coming back if it is long term, and and look ahead to still having a, a really good career. Hopefully at Derby County, because I think there's a really good there's a really good defensive player in there. Liam Thompson, we won't touch on it too long, so I don't think it's um, a super serious one. But certainly we missed having that extra option in midfield and energy yesterday. Tom, you know, Liam Thompson, as Blake said, has been getting a lot of praise for his for his um, performances recently, bringing that energy to midfield that we've been lacking. I think Fauna will do some of that as well, but he obviously is going to take a bit of time to get fully match fit. Um, do you think Tom yesterday Thompson could have made could have made a difference for us in that midfield when particularly we started kind of so slowly? Yeah, I think so. Um, I liked him when he first came into the team under uh, Rooney in that sort of horrendous season where he, he seemed to be really. Uh, put himself about and wasn't afraid of a tackle, lots of energy, um, maybe lacked a little bit of passing quality, but I, I think he's really developed that and um, he didn't have the most successful loan on Scunthorpe. I think he got injured and only played a handful of games for them last year, but he's come into the side this year and has been a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect him uh, to be really sort of participating in the first team so far and it's it's been great to see him do so well. Um, and clearly Darren Robinson is, is another midfield option that we've got as a sort of like young back backup, but getting him into the, the first team at 18 when uh, you're playing some of the, the bigger sides to start off with, the likes of your Wigan, your Bolton, the Portsmouth, those are the, those are the big sort of sides that are going to be challenging up the top of uh, League One. That's going to be quite quite hard work. So you're looking for your experienced pros staying fit um, and putting energy in. And we've certainly missed uh, Thompson yesterday. Uh, and if he's out for the Portsmouth game in a couple of weeks, time, we'll miss him then as well. So obviously we have strengthened the midfield area, which should, you know, uh, you know, help the fact we're obviously missing Bird out injured. Don't know how long Thompson's going to be out injured for. But let's have a little review then of Derby's transfer business overall uh, with the transfer window closing on, on Friday night just before the Bolton game. 11 players in in total, including loans and permanent signings. Uh, Joe Ward, Josh Vickers, Callum Elder, Curtis Nelson, 
Sonny Bradley, Connor Washington, Kane Wilson, Martin Waghorn, Tyrese Fauna, Tyrese John Jules, and Elliot Embleton, who was a deadline day signing. And then the the kind of the headline outs, and I might have missed some here. We obviously did see left on a free. We sold Knight. We sold Bielik, uh, Chester, Stearman, and Curtis Davis all let go. Obviously, no return from from Hayden Roberts or or Lewis Dobbin from their loans last season either. Um, but we asked uh, you, our listeners, on Twitter and on Facebook and on our Discord to give us your shout on Derby's transfer window business out of 10. <laughs> Your shout, Blake. Your uh, experience hand in in uh, in radio, national and local. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate the um, the your shout jingle? Hearing it for the first time, I believe. Um, yeah, um, nine and a half. Um, Thank you. I, I mean, I've not worked in BBC local radio for a couple of years now, but it took me right back. I used to have to make a lot of a lot of stuff like that, and yeah. Um, it's made me smile. So uh, if that was the intended, if that was the intended reaction, I'll get it ten out of ten. Good, good. It's good to get a ten out of ten rating on the your shout jingle for the ten out of ten your shout we're about to do on the transfer. But it's quite meta. So um, we'll read out some of the discords from our patrons. We got um, Bozzy said six point five out of ten. More depth, more balance. Could have done with strengthening the attacking department a bit more if we're looking for top two. Um, Chris Hill said seven, uh, seven, the quality on paper. Uh, he said, Sonny Bradley, he's confident he'll come good. Um, for the outlay spent is good business as it's clear. Derby don't have the cash and are still under EFL's watchful eyes or it's been run as a proper business and he can't ask Klaus to cover transfer debts. Um, Hucknell Ram Pete said seven out of 10. We've identified the key areas and brought in and bought in those areas. The fact we only lost night. Um, obviously Ditsy as well has amazed me. Um, Kurt said eight out of 10. Uh, if they all fulfill their potential, then we have a good squad for this level. It's just whether they're as good in reality as on paper. And then I'll just read one more from my patron. Uh, Foster 44 said seven out of 10. All of these are adding quality rather than additions for the sake of it and no budget breakers, presumably. Uh, obviously, jury is still out on Bradley, but Nelson, Ward, Waghorn have already proved their quality, in my opinion. Tom, out of 10, uh, how would you assess from what we've seen so far um, Derby's transfer business? Yeah, I'm in agreement in and around that sort of 7 to 8 out of 10. So I'm going to go 7.5. I think we've we've added good experience in the places that we needed to, whilst also offloading some of the, the experience that was not necessarily part of the first team. I'm looking at sort of Stearman. I know Chester played a few games, but he was obviously very injury prone. Uh, Curtis Davis being 38 as well. Like, so we got rid of and removed that sort of top end age. And then we, we brought in some good experience in terms of Connor Washington, who's 31. Waghorn is 33. They've been around. They know they know the League One. And ideally, I agree. I think it was Bozzi who said they would like to strengthen the uh, forward line a lot more. Yeah, I would love to, but you can't necessarily go and find a, a goal scorer on a free transfer who's at peak age and is going to bang you 15, 20 goals in the season. So so I think Derby have done the, the best that they could do up front. Um, I also think centre-back signings, I think, have been good. Um, Bradley, I think Nelson will come all right. Nelson, solid, experienced player. We also needed right-back, so we bought two of them. Uh, they then both get injured. It's the Derby way. Uh, a left back as well in Calamelda. So I think actually the business has been been smart. I think it looks it's fitted within what Derby can afford. 
uh, and what Derby can uh, can do and within the restrictions that clearly they're under perhaps from DFL but also they're under within their own budgets and I think they've been we've been run sensibly and it was quite nice to see that lots of people were come lots of players were coming in um, but nothing was stupid we haven't spent anything from what I can see uh, and we've raked in approximately sort of two two point five to three million pound in in selling Belick and, and Knight as well which I think is good business so yeah pleased with what we've seen so far. I'll just read out some of our Twitter contributions, Blake, before I, I get your opinion as well. So uh, Matt, I think Matt Turner said he said about a seven as well. I think we are short a striker, but at the same time, I don't think anyone in League One has signed anyone that has made me think we missed out. I kind of agree with that. Um, Dom T says, impossible to rate the quality as half of them haven't started the game yet, although 11 is a good drag in volume terms, especially when considering three of those who left. Stearman, Chester and Springett hardly kicked a ball last season. I definitely think the squad is stronger and, and deeper uh, now. Uh, another seven from Jack Couchman, rescued a bit by some late injection of youth and pace. Again, agree with that. Dave Mills said six out of ten. Quantity but quality yet to be seen. Waggy was a lucky signing that wasn't because of Warren. Interesting. The rest, no one impressed yet or made me think he's made us better. The latter signings are unproven. One hasn't played since December and could very easily break again. Time will tell. Dave's given a six, but then been very negative. I think I feel like Dave feels like it's more like a four <laughs> from based on his comments. So interested to hear what you think about that, Dave. Uh, there were mostly sevens, uh, and then we got an eight from from Tweds um, saying it's another huge rebuild. But there were a couple of threes and four point fives and a two, but with no uh, explanation as, as to why they went for those scores. Blake, how would you assess it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd say seven. I'm around that mark. I think it's important to remember how difficult a transfer window it's been for all clubs in League One, the Championship, even going into the Premier League, because with the Championship being able to have more subs this season, I know Paul Warren's touched on this, play, people, players in the Championship and clubs in the Championship are very keen to hold on to players because they need them for, for squads. So you look, you even look at teams like Luton Town and Sheffield United have gone into the Premier League and have not particularly strengthened because the market isn't there to to bring in the type of players they need to bring in. The The market isn't there for us to get a striker because championship clubs are now having three or four strikers on the bench. Now they've got nine subs, so they can't let them go. And if they do let them go, they won't because they might not be able to bring one in to replace them. So I think it's been a very, very tough transfer window for Paul Warren, to, to be fair to him. And I think with that, he's done very well. I mean, a little bit of luck with Waggon playing in a testimonial and then signing and becoming our best player for, for the last few games. But that's football. I mean, there's always going to be instances like that. But I think we've we yet to see the best of that Joe Ward. I think he'll be a, a really important player um, over the course of the season. That excites me. But overall, I think, um, like we touched on, we've signed the players, one or two players in every area we needed to strengthen on. Um, and for me, that's that's exactly what we needed to do. We've not gone overboard with it, trying to buy the league. I think we've got enough quality in there to for us to be up there. And yeah, I think I'd, I'd go for a seven. Yeah, I, I had seven down. And I think if you started the window and said, what what is Derby trying to achieve in this window? I think it would have been uh, reducing the age profile, which I think we've done to an extent. Not Maybe not as much as we could have done, but we, we have definitely in, in, uh, improved the age profile. I mean, definitely those latest signings, we've got more in that kind of 23 to 28, 29 bracket. Uh, more depth in the striking department, 100% have achieved that. I'll come back to strikers in a moment. Um, and added a bit more pace and energy to the team. And I think I think we've done that. And obviously signed players, we've signed fullbacks, fullbacks and winbacks. We didn't have any last season. We've now got three. I'm 
three slash four, and unfortunately three of them have got mid to long-term injuries, which is no one's fault. Um, so I think, yeah, I think seven out of 10 with the potential to be better. My comment on the striker, because the main criticism and the main disappointment some fans seem to be feeling is that we are missing um, a guaranteed 25 goal a season striker to replace Ditsy. And I was just looking at kind of the stats from last season in the top 10 uh, kind of goal scorers in the season. Obviously, Ipswich had uh, Ladipo, who had 17, um, uh, and Connor Chaplin got 26. They were the outliers in terms of teams that got promoted that were challenging at the very top. Johnson Clark Harris got 27. Peterborough only snuck into the playoffs. Ditsy got uh, 22 for us in the league, and we missed out on the playoffs. Plymouth's top goal scorer last season got 13 and they won the league. And their other, they didn't have anything else to write home about. Morgan Whitaker, nine goals. Finnazaz, eight goals. Bally Mumba, six goals. Cannon Wright, four goals. So you can you can compete at the top of this league without having a 20-goal striker. And for me, Washington, Waghorn particularly, are both capable of getting 15-plus. I mean, Waghorn's already got five, I think, in the league. So he could easily be threatening 20. So I just don't see that lack of firepower has been uh has been a, a major problem or a major inhibitor of of our progress this season i think other parts of the team are gonna are gonna are gonna define this to define our team more than than kind of if we're missing one great striker which i just don't think was out there uh with the exception of if we could have got johnson clark harris maybe you could say he'd guaranteed 20 goals uh, i'm not saying we should have done but he's probably the only one out there maybe alfie may i don't think we were in for either of them um so the striker thing doesn't doesn't concern me. I, I would go for go for seven. Um, before we finish, guys, uh, let's just touch on Aaron Cashman because it sounds like um, Paul went, Paul Wan didn't mention the team by name, but we understand it's Brighton. Uh, there was a, a deal agreed for Aaron Cashman late uh, on Friday night, and it just fell through um, in, the, in the last minute. We don't know exactly why it broke down, but it did. Brighton apparently willing to pay us four million pounds for a player who, you know, obviously was keen for a move, as you would be in the last year of con- of his contract. And we do have centre-back options. Should we have tried to get that over the line? Yeah, for, for me, at uh, £4 million, yeah. Um, love Cash. Love everything he's done for the club. Really rate him. Think he's an important player. But then you, at a certain point, you have to look at like the business side of, of, of things. And I think, are we going to get another £4 million bid for Evan Cash in now? I don't think so. Mm. And you look back, I think someone mentioned it. It's a slightly dramatic kind of um, comparison, but it's it's almost it's similar when Arsenal came in for for storage and with the with a quite big yeah. offer. <laughs> and about, and about six six months later, like we, we storage was never the same player again. And you think, oh no, like you kind of have that. And I'm not saying that Cashin is going to like drop off or anything now, but you kind of look at these players over the years. And uh, I mean, Will Will Hughes was a great servant, and there was rumours of quite large bids that we we kind of turned down and then in the end you get four million and a bag of frazzles or something we got for him in the end didn't we but it's like a head and heart situation for me um my heart what would want him to stay but my head says I think that's the most money you're ever going to get offered for him maybe that would it help the club out more having that four million pounds rather than having an extra centre half in the building but that's me, me taking my Derby County hat off I actually disagree Blake I think four million pound yeah so it would be a great amount but Brighton, they could have done this deal weeks ago and it's their own fault. And I think coming in on transfer deadline day to buy Derby's best defender, who's young and an exciting product and put in a bid at that time with no opportunity to go and go and get a, um, a replacement. 
I think Derby have done the right thing. And I think that Brighton, if they really want cash, they'll come back in for him. Cashin now needs to get his head down and realise that football football's a difficult game, right? And if he wants to go and play at the top level, he's going to have to take knockbacks and things like that, which is clearly what's happened because he would want to go and play at the, the best teams in the best league that he possibly can. Um, he's going to have to take that. And he's going to have to come back stronger. And I think this is a really good test of character for him. And I think, I absolutely think he will do that. Um, the storage situation, I, I remember that as well. I think it was sort of seven, eight million pounds, which was mega money. I think Vigor and Christie and Prume also were maybe almost sold for, for big money and then they weren't. Um, when Derby were in financial bother trying to stay up as well. I think there's slightly different situations there. I think Derby, are, they don't need to sell, um, I would guess, from given from our business. We've, we've knocked back bids, which are lower. Uh, derisory, I think, one of, one of the times they were called. So, yeah, we don't need to sell. And I think it was in the best interest of the club. And I actually think that I'm confident it's the right decision. And I'm sure Brighton will come back in and I'm sure Cashin will go on and play at a, a level much higher than what he is now. But for, for now, I think this is the right call for Derby. I, yeah, I don't know. I think I might disagree. I think four million pounds. We might not need the money, uh, but we still have got uh, outstanding transfer debts uh, to pay off, I believe. And I do think that is is stopping us from being able to spend actual fees on on new players. I think four million pounds could have kind of put a real could have been a real big boost to our coffers, both in terms of paying off historic debts, but also investing in the squad and I think we do need investing not necessarily right this right now this window but you know could it given us some more flexibility later in the season the ideal would have been sold him for formally and got him got him loaned back uh, and it's it's happy days I don't know if that was on the cards it seemed like maybe Brighton weren't desperate to, to do that um, but I'm kind of just guessing in, in that regard um, and yeah the hope with Cashin is look if Brighton it in for you that seriously and I agree with Tom they should have been sorting this out two weeks ago there's no reason why they couldn't have done that um they're meant to be a sensible serious club in the transfer market so i find it really surprising they left it that late to get to get cash in that's a real compliment to cash in that should give him a lot of confidence and i think the best thing for him and for us is to him to play his heart out for the next four months and hopefully make sure there's another team other than brighton interested in him come january because that price is otherwise only going to fall i think or brighton might just gamble and think they can get him for a free on a kind of tribunal deal in the summer. Uh, but if he can really impress and there's a bigger market for him in January, then that fee could stay at four million or go up uh, even more. So, uh, yeah, I think this one obviously hasn't ended. I don't think Cashin will be with us next season, but let's see you know, how he can maximise his own value and Derby can maximise his value between between now and the end of the season. Otherwise, boys, it's a two-week a two-week international break for Derby County. League One Derby County of an international break. I'm not sure if it was us or Northampton Town that had the uh, had had the most international call-ups, but um, I think it's probably a well-timed one, Tom, and particularly for you, back to school, two-week international break is uh, lovely. You can get your head down and uh, get stuck into those history textbooks. Yeah, and I'm actually going to Colchester Zoo next week, so uh, that's <laughs> that's my Saturday instead of uh, watching Northampton Town on uh, live on Sky, and then obviously we're off to Portsmouth on the 16th, which would be good to, good to see the team in the flesh. I've been to Colchester Zoo before. I think it was called Lair Road. <laughs> that's just because you were there mate <laughs> in the lion enclosure <laughs> it was a 4-3 thriller like, it was absolute uh, carnage in the cup uh, Arturo Lupoli with a couple of goals I think Jamie Curitan scored a couple maybe for Colchester United Blake uh, how are you going to spend you must not know what to do with yourself in these next two weeks yeah no football no cricket I don't know I might have to talk, must talk to my family or something daft <laughs> well chaps uh, as ever been a pleasure 
to have you on. Obviously, would prefer it to be in happier circumstances, but we're used to that now. So, uh, Tom, take care. All the best. And Blake, uh, see you soon. See you soon. All the Rams. Up the Rams.